Before you can create a healthy relationship with others, you first have to create a healthy relationship with yourself. Welcome to Let's Talk About It with your host, Dr. Janie Lacey. Janie is a nationally respected psychotherapist, and on this show, she and her featured guests will help you discover and break patterns in your life that can contribute to self-sabotage and unhealthy relationships. Now, here is Dr. Janie Lacey. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk About It with Janie Lacey. Today's episode, we're going to talk about what's good about anger. How can you put your anger to work for good? You know, when I think about the word anger, most people will associate it with something negative. When we think about why people get angry, sometimes we can think about they feel disrespected, there's injustice, there's threats, there's fear, there's helplessness, there's control, whole lots of different reasons why we can think about why people get angry. There's a quote that I like by Ted Griffin. Anger, though potentially harmful, can be transformed into a positive force, accomplishing great good in our lives. Well, do you believe that? Do you believe that anger can be a good force, a good positive force, and something that can help us accomplish great things in our lives? Well, what is anger? Let's go ahead and let's define anger and the definition that we are going to be operating from. Anger is a strong feeling of displeasure, indignation or an automatic reaction to any real or imagined insult, frustration, or injustice producing emotional agitation seeking expression. Let me say this again. Anger is a strong feeling of displeasure, indignation, or an automatic reaction to any real or imagined insult, frustration, or injustice producing emotional agitation seeking expression. Was that your definition of anger? Well, did you know that there's a problem of anger in our society? 13% of all marriages experience anger. Every 25 seconds, someone is a victim of a violent crime. Nearly a million children are abused. Adolescents account for 39% of all violent crimes. Adolescents account for 39% of all violent crimes crimes. Wow. Let me share with you some foundational insights around anger. Anger is an energy or force which is often harmful 
Anger is caused by feelings of helplessness and the need to control situations, people, and consequences. Anger, when expressed in a healthy way, can foster personal growth and significance, improving relationships and changing lives. A quote from William Shinstone around the power of anger. Anger is a great force if you control it. It can be transmuted into a power which can move the whole world. Well, let's talk about the power of anger and how can anger be helpful? For one, it can be a warning sign. It's a warning sign that something is wrong and something needs to be dealt with. It's energy to resist threats or demands, right? When you get that jolt of anger, it's energy. It can also help protect you and mobilize your resources. You can overcome the fear of asserting your needs and facing the conflict by using the power of anger. Anger can be harmful. We know this. A man is never in worse company than when he flies into a rage and is beside himself. Think about this. When anger can be harmful, it increases our heart rate. We can get ulcers, high blood pressure, cardiovascular diseases, mental health issues, relationship disorders. So when there are signs, there are signs when anger is a problem. And these are some things you want to think about, whether it's you or someone you know. It's when the anger is too frequent, too intense, lasts too long, leads to aggression, disturbs work or relationships. So when anger wakes up, there's a physiological mechanism that involves in the anger arousal, right? There's usually a threat or a provoking of our anger. There's an internal fight or flight response. Sometimes there's an increased breathing, heart rates. There's a hormonal surge that lasts about 30 minutes. Did you know that? So if this long-term anger response can be interrupted, anger arousal can be curtailed. Let's think about triggers, the aversive bodily states. When we think about triggers, where it can be fatigue, sleep deprivation and pain, hangovers or withdrawal symptoms. There's hormonal variations like PMS, for example, can be a trigger. Diet, a sweet tooth does not translate into a sweet demeanor. And what about cognitive triggers? The way we perceive an event, how we create anger, our arousal states. Can trigger our thoughts of anger. And then we have biases and beliefs. Our biases can favor certain types of inputs or 
interpretations of events over others. If you provoke, provoke merit, it's okay for me to strike back, right? Some people will believe that or the knuckle bias. What about irrational beliefs? Generalized beliefs that create provoking input. What about some common anger inducing beliefs such as, because I want it, I should get it. This is what we call entitlement. They should appreciate my work. I should get it. It has to be fair. Since I worked as hard as she did, I should. I have to be right, self-righteous. No, it's not that way. It's, I just don't think that's right. If you cared about me, you, right? This would be the conditional assumption. If I was important to you, you'd. If you were my friend, you'd, right? Have to be in control. This frequently underlines jealousy. Are you going to get out dressed that way? I'm not leaving until you. Have you heard some of those common anger-inducing beliefs? Maybe you've even said them. What about impulsivity? We attribute it to an underdeveloped defensive system. Immature defenses such as fantasy, denial, or acting out are the major emotional regulators. You act it out instead of thinking it out. And what about skills, skill deficiencies in cognitive and behavioral areas that contribute to impulsive acting out of anger? Think about this for a minute. You have substance use, where this can be a disinhibiting effect on anger and aggression. You have family. An aggressive individual typically comes out of a home environment characterized by high overt conflict and low levels of positive interchanges. What about stress? Current life situations, conditions of chronic stress or frequent daily hassles takes a toll on all coping resources. What about divorce, death, marital discord? Can all be triggers. What about who or what is responsible? No one can make you angry. Let's think about this. No one can make you angry. You make the decision to get angry. I know it's hard for people to think about that. You make the decision to get angry. You are responsible and accountable for your anger. So what happens in the process of anger? Sometimes there's a threat to self. There's a poor self-concept, negative self-evaluation, frustration, fear, disappointment, and then anger. Paul harks six levels of thought when it comes to anger. I want something. Number two. I didn't get what I wanted and I'm frustrated. Three, it is awful and terrible not to get what I want. Four, you shouldn't frustrate me. I must have my way. And five, 
You're bad for frustrating me. And six, bad people ought to be punished. So when anger goes awry, we have cognitive distortions, we have irrational beliefs, we have false beliefs about God, life, what is good for us and how we can or cannot secure significance. Just think about some foundational insights. Anger is a response to fear, helplessness, frustrated goals, tense or difficult situations, false beliefs, conflicts, or stress. Triggers can increase an angry response. But when the situation or event is analyzed, one should determine whether there is a legitimate reason for getting angry. Maybe it is. I don't like the decision that was made because, or I felt disrespected or misjudged by the way I was treated. The key is to identify the issues and decide whether it is valid. Then approach the situation or person to work, to work through the matter in a healthy way. So when is anger good? There is such a thing as good anger. It is anger governed by self-control, motivated by compassion, desiring what is right versus what is wrong. Feelings of anger are normal. Let me say that again. Feelings of anger are normal and at times even justified. The degree to which you become angry, the reasons for your anger, and the outcome of your anger determine whether your anger is, in fact, good. Anger can energize us for action and faith. It expresses feelings and resolves conflict. It gives information about ourselves, events, and people. It enables us to assert ourselves. For, for being good and angry, sometimes being angry but limit its expression. You can take responsibility for your anger, slow your anger down, think through anger versus immediately acting it out. Have you really thought about how you express anger? Do you really think through it? Do you think about how you can slow it down and perhaps have a more of a cognitive response versus an emotional response? Don't let your anger intensify. Don't associate with angry people. Seek healthy resolution to issues and always consider the outcome of anger and how it will impact others as well as yourself. And learn healthy ways to express anger. So how do you handle someone else's anger? King Solomon wrote, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up trouble. Paraphrasing what an angry person says can help diffuse his or her anger. But when is this response insufficient? When working through difficult 
conflicts or dealing with an unfair accusation or an abusive situation. You want to be mindful and think through and use discernment in whatever situation you're, hand, you're, you're dealing with when you're dealing with someone else's anger in particular. But there are ways that you can handle anger constructively. It can help you by growing in your faith, help you by growing in your assertiveness, help you grow in your problem solving. It can help you grow in your conflict resolution. You can grow in your empathy and forgiveness. Did you ever think about that? That handling your anger constructively can help you in those areas through your faith, assertiveness, problem solving, conflict resolution, empathy, and forgiveness. What's in it for you? What will you get out of controlling your anger? Self-control and a sense of personal power, not power over others. Let me say that clear. Self-control and a sense of po personal power. And that does not mean power over others. No one else will be able to make you angry or pull your strings. You will have the power to choose to be angry or not. Isn't that a beautiful thing, the gift of self-control? If you can keep cool, you'll respond in ways that serve your best interest. So think about it. What are the pros and the cons for acting aggressively? When, when was the last time you've acted aggressively? What were some of the outcomes as a result? When we step back and assess the situations which cause us to feel angry, we can plan for a healthy response. When we consider the consequences for our response and the best interests of others and ourselves, we are motivated to express anger effectively and appropriately. Quote by Dr. James Dobson. There are very few certainties that touch us all in this mortal experience. But one of the absolutes is that we will experience hardships and stress at some point. Basically, we can't escape it. We're going to deal with hardships, we're going to deal with stress, and we're going to have feelings of anger. So let's talk about stress for a minute. We cannot deal with anger and not talk about stress. So the encyclopedia states that stress, roughly the opposite of relaxation, is a medical term for a wide range of strong external stimuli, both physiological and psychological, which can cause a physiological response called the general adaptation syndrome. But what does that mean? The general adaptation syndrome, there are three stages. We have the alarm reaction where the body detects the external stimulus. We have the adaptation where the body engages defensive countermeasures against the stressor. We have exhaustation where the body begins to run out of defenses. So we have two types of stress, basically, positive stress and negative stress. 
The negative stress is when there's a challenge and there's an overload that's occurring for us. So when we think about stress and its effects, stress typically refers to de-stress. Serenity is a state in which an individual is disposition free or largely free from the negative effects of stress. But stress can contribute to general or specific disorders of our body and our mind. Stress is a threat to the safety and well-being of the body. In time past, the physical stress response prepares us for that fight or flight. So what is that fight or flight reaction? It is the instinctive and consists of messages which alert the body of a perceived threat. And there are two options. Stand our ground and fight the threat or run from it. The choice is made based on our perception of the situation. So when we think about stress, it triggers for anger for a stress response. A stress reaction can precipitate or coincide with an angry response. So you want to avoid triggers such as, and many, 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 many triggers we want to avoid because that can avoid our angry responses. So you want to change what you say to yourself and how you view life, which can greatly impact how you manage stress and anger. Examples of stress talk. Grab for all the gusto you get. You can get it. Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. What's the point? Why bother? He or she is out to get me. I can't handle that. This is too much for me. I'll just fail anyway. Have you ever said those things to yourself? Can you see how that can induce stress in your body? You may say to yourself, he or she should do it my way. Or why is she going out dressed that way? Because of your need to control. Underlining may be feelings of insecurity, jealousy, low self-worth, or, or your need for control, which will increase those feelings of stress and anger. So how do you deal with the need to control? You want to consider the negative consequences. You will run out of energy and feel more frustrated. You will push your family and friends away. Generally, you won't get what you want. And in the long run, your needs of security and significance won't be met. So there's some other things you want to consider when you think about how you use statements that we'll call the stress talk messages that can get you into an angry state or cause more stress. Another form of stress talk is blaming others. If they would just meet my needs, I would be happy. You can take ownership for your feelings and better communicate your needs by saying something like this. I feel, let's say angry. I feel angry or disappointed when you don't listen to me. Instead of blaming, you will bring up the issue and help others feel less defensive, right? Because if you want people to hear you, you want to make sure that you're communicating in a way that's not going to put them on defensive, that they can really hear your message. So you want to think about applying this formula to any situation. So I felt angry when I thought, and then you want to identify the issue. Was it valid? Could you have made a request versus a demand? What about balancing your relationships in life? You know, relationships can be draining or restoring. 
If you are in relationships which are unhealthy because you are given more than getting, or there's too much conflict and friction, then you will feel stressed out. It could be that you tend to be codependent and need boundaries or more assertiveness in your relationships. What about focusing on your needs and preventing negative consequences? Many times we engage in activities or relationships which are unhealthy and exasperate both stress and anger. You need to decide what to change and how to make healthier choices. How can you increase the positive stress in your life? So let's think about something that you can do any point in time, and that's progressive relaxation, which can improve how your body responds to stress by slowing your heart rate, reducing blood pressure, slowing your breathing rate, reducing the need for oxygen, increasing blood flow to the major muscles, lessening muscle tensions, fewer symptoms of illness such as headaches, nausea, diarrhea, and pain, few emotional responses such as anger, crying, anxiety, apprehension, and frustration. You'll have more energy. You'll be more efficient in daily activities. You'll improve your concentration You'll have greater ability to handle problems. Who, want, who doesn't want that? So think about this. Making personal choices to live a healthier lifestyle can decrease the stress which precipitates anger. Learning relaxation techniques can slow down your physiological fight and flight response to anger, to the, your anger triggers. So think about what stress talk do you struggle with from all that we've shared so when we come back from our commercial break, I want to share with you how just do you handle anger effectively? So as you go forward and you're now working on your stress talk, you deal with triggers, you're dealing with angry people, that you'll show up differently in the world. We'll be right back on Let's Talk About It with Janie Lacey. Are you living day by day, nervous, in fear, or constantly feeling overwhelmed? This is probably due to an anxiety disorder. Anxiety disorders can develop from many different factors and can affect each and every person differently. Anxiety disorders can develop because of genetics, personality, stressful life events, and many other reasons. The Anxiety and Depression Association of America reports that more than 40 million Americans suffer from anxiety-related illnesses and anxiety is also considered the most common mental disorder in the United States. You don't have to suffer alone. Call Life Counseling Solutions at 407-622-1770 or visit lifecounselingsolutions.com today. Are you often attracted to unavailable partners? Feel like you can't stay but can't leave a toxic relationship? Obsessed with thinking about a current or former lover? Feel resentful that you're always taking care of the other person? The Woman Redeemed Therapy Program is for women who want to break free from toxic relationship patterns so they can find the love they truly deserve. This program is a safe, nurturing environment, essential for building self-worth and acquiring the tools to work through challenges and create your best self. We invite you to begin the journey today to start building the new you. Call 407-622-1770 or visit LifeCounselingSolutions.com. That's LifeCounselingSolutions.com. Has your anger ever taken you somewhere you regretted? 
Have you ever said something in anger that you wish you could take back? Have you ever hurt anyone as a reaction of your anger, physically or emotionally? Let's face it, anger is a part of life. We all experience anger in our lives at some point. The question we need to ask ourselves is whether this has become a habit. What matters is how we deal with it. So call Life Counseling Solutions at 407-622-1770 or visit OrlandoAngerManagement.com today. You are listening to Let's Talk About It with Dr. Janie Lacey. To reach the show today, please call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Janie at lifecounselingsolutions.com. Now back to Let's Talk About It. All right, we're back. Let's talk about it with Janie Lacey. Today we're talking about what's good about anger. You know, we're in a time and in a place in the world where we can turn on the TV, we're watching movies, conversations at our dining room table where anger, frustration, and stress have all become just part of the norm with everything that's happened in this world. So how can you handle anger effectively? Because anyone can become angry. That's easy. But to be angry with the right person to the right degree at the right time for the right purpose and in the right way, that's not easy by Aristotle. Anyone can become angry, that is easy, but to be angry with the right person to the right degree at the right time for the right purpose and in the right way, that is not easy. Nehemiah had wrote about an incident when he became angry. I was very angry when I heard their outcry. And these words, I took counsel with myself and I bought charges up against the noble and the officials. I said to them, you are exactly, you are exacting interest each from his brother. And I held a great assemble against them. So just how do we handle anger effectively? How do we do that? When you take your own inventory and you think about how you handle your anger, do you think you handle anger effectively? Sometimes there's initial hurt or anger or early awareness, which is key. We have to recognize our feelings. And sometimes we have to just take time out to reflect so that we can be slow to anger. And for some people, praying may find it helpful and they able to identify true issues, evaluate validity of the issue, address the issue, express feelings, ask how are we going to go about doing this? Establish a plan of action, provide options for change, negotiate a resolution, plan time frame, express how you'll help, Seven, you can get guidance. Eight, you can put issue in perspective. And nine, you can forgive and forget and find some resolution on that end. 
So if we think about problem, creating a problem solving plan, how do we establish a plan of action? Well, first you wanna think about writing out options and solutions that will help you resolve the problem. You wanna consider the following. What can you learn about the issue you're facing? How can you do, what can you do about this problem? List all reasonable options, then choose one or two. You wanna try out one of the options. You can always apply another option if, you, if your first choice is not working out. Evaluate how it is affecting you and others. How can someone help you? You can ask for counsel. What resources are available to resolve your problem? And what support can you ask for or make use of? Right, these are all problem solving techniques or plans or things that will help you have a problem solving plan. What about anger and assertiveness? Socrates says, do not be angry with me if I tell you the truth. Lynette Hole, assertiveness is not aggression or passive. Assertive people express their thoughts and feelings forthrightly without getting squashed or squashing others in the process. So when you think about assertiveness is an important part of connecting with people. It requires the ability to be authentic and honest about who you are. When you have the ability to be assertive, you stop hiding or being indirect. You, you begin living by the expression that says, what I am on the inside, I am on the outside. Isn't that congruent? You then connect with people because they learn about you and who you are. Many a friendship is lost for lack of speaking, says Aristotle. What does the Bible say about being assertive, honest, and authentic? If your brother sins against you, go and slow him his fault. Just between the two of you, if he listens to you, you have won your brother over. This is Matthew 18, 15. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Ephesians 4, 25. So what is assertiveness? Stating your ideals confidently, not leaving communication up to chance. You're confronting difficult issues in a relationship without getting squashed or squashing others in the process. So when you think about what is assertiveness, this is where you're stating your ideals, your thoughts, your feelings, your opinions confidently, and you're not leaving communication up to chance. You confront difficult issues in a relationship without getting, again, squashed or squashing others in the process. It means that you can communicate directly, sharing your thoughts and feelings in the context of love and concern for others' thoughts and feelings. As we read in Ephesians 4.15, the command to speak the truth in love. Still, we have barriers to overcome in order to learn assertiveness. Three barriers to overcoming assertiveness is fear, guilt, conflict. What makes assertiveness so difficult? 
We need to learn to confront and share our opinions, our thoughts, our differences, and our concerns. If you're like most people, you tend to be fairly indirect about expressing your feelings and needs. Perhaps as a child, you were taught it was self-centered to talk about your feelings and needs. Maybe you're afraid to be direct, fearing people will be put off or disagree with you. When you share your thoughts and feelings indirectly, you are apt to sound something like this. It just laid off most of my department. It's kind of, well, you know, but what can you do? When you can express your wants directly, you have to hint. It looks like a nice day. Our neighbors went to play golf. Or the newspaper mentioned an air show this Sunday and hope your spouse or friend picks up on it. So when we think about being assertive, there's three parts that I want you to consider. I think, I feel, I want. We tend to apologize for someone else's mistakes. When someone spills their coffee on us, we say we're sorry for being in the wrong place. When someone puts us down, we pretend we didn't hear it. When others openly state their values and beliefs, we keep quiet, rationalizing later, or that the Holy Spirit didn't lead me to say anything. If you're lucky and happen to have a very attentive listener, he or she may be able to intuitively read your feelings, thoughts, and wishes and draws them out on you, out of you. But assertiveness doesn't skirt issues or leave communication to chance. Assertiveness combined with validation skills and compassion helps you confront issues graciously in a relationship. Assertiveness focuses on negotiating reasonable changes with others. Assertiveness has the three parts. I think, I feel, I want. So the benefits of being assertive is it builds intimacy, closeness, connection, helps you solve interpersonal problems, helps you clarify Helps you increase honesty, requests, and, and refusals. Helps you promote and negotiate. Because passiveness suffers silently. So what's the alternative to being assertive? Let us begin by commenting, by committing ourselves to the truth. To see it like this and to tell it like it is. To find the truth, to speak the truth, and to live with the truth. That's what we'll do says Richard Nixon at the nomination acceptance speech of August 1968. When we don't tell the truth, we break trust and there are consequences to pay in relationships and with society. Faking deceit, guilt, resentment, bitterness, fear, worry, criticism, anger. Another alternative is passiveness. Suffers silently, retreats and blames others for unhappiness. Don't let that be you. Well, what about hostility and aggressiveness? It injures and you have to injure in order to win. You attack and you demand. Because assertiveness is the antidote to anger. When we let things build inside, many times we use an assertiveness, an aggressive form of communication instead of assertiveness. Hostility and that aggressiveness attacks people, demands, it accuses, it blames, verbally or physically, jokes, and injures in order to win. Another method of communicating our wants and our needs is, well, you can manipulate or you can be indirect. Try to get what you want by subtle, dishonest methods. We don't mean to be 
We don't mean to use these methods, and this might seem harmless, but people are always left guessing as to what we're thinking or what our goals or our desires are. Hostility, aggressiveness, and passiveness only destroy our relationships versus builds them. So what's your style? So think about this. Your teenager has the stereo really loud, so you do what? Or you're sitting in a movie and the people behind you are talking, so you do what? You receive food at a restaurant that is over or undercooked, so you do what? Your friend asks you a favor which you don't feel like doing, so you think about it. How would you respond to any of those situations? So what does love have to do with assertiveness? 1 Corinthians 13.1 If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not loved, I am only a resounding gorge or clanging symbol. So some assertive examples that you can write down if you're taking notes is you can start by stating your preference or opinion. My preference is, what I like is, and then you express your feelings. Very simple, but think about how you communicate. Second would be expressing your feelings. I feel blank when blank. Or three, affirming someone. I really appreciate your blank. I agree with you about blank. Or what about disagreeing with someone? I disagree with you when you said blank. Or saying yes or no without making excuses. I'm unable to come to lunch. That's it. What about impact statements for confronting? When you come to the classes late, it disrupts the presentation. What about making a request? This movie is not what I hoped it would be. I would like to leave. So if you tried out some assertiveness, let's say... Your friend drops by unexpectedly just before you were about to leave to run some errands. You're talking to someone about something important, but they stop. They, they don't listen. They're, they don't seem to be listening. Or your friend stands you up for lunch. You're speaking and someone interrupts you. What would you do? How can you handle it based off of what I just shared? A couple of things. Assert approach. Assert, A-S-E-R-T. Assert, approach the person calmly and respectfully. S, state the problem. You want to think it over and state the facts of the problem. E, you want to express yourself, state your feelings. R is request, change and feedback. One behavior change and listen to the person's thoughts and needs. T is talk it out. You want to paraphrase a person's ideals, discuss the consequences, considerations, and options. So let me give you an example of assertive examples. I've been worried about our finances and would like us to make a budget so we can both feel we have input into spending. What do you think about it? Another example, I feel upset when you say you will be home by dinner time, but don't show up until an hour later. How do you think this problem can be solved? I'm sure we, we, we will both feel better if we work this out. I've been feeling stressed out lately by all the work in my class. 
I would like to find a substitute for me for the next month so I can take a break. I know it will help me handle the class better. Is this feasible? So what about dealing with difficult people? The broken record technique. Rehearsal makes, rehearsal making your request in a firm but calm voice when someone does not respond to you. Remember not to raise your voice. When someone is engaging in annoying behavior, ignoring or not, re, not reacting, maybe the best course of action. Ignoring may lower the, problem, the probability that it will occur again. However, this technique must be applied carefully since the other party may become more obnoxious. What about fogging? This technique is a way of confusing a, or provoking an individual by appearing to be lighthearted agree, to agree with them. A fogging response helps you maintain control by not taking a, common, a comment seriously. So anger can be communicated in acceptable and even loving ways. Anger can be expressed as a request, a boundary, an opinion, a decision, or a question. When you communicate anger with respect, you will have more success in resolving issues, meeting your needs, and building healthy relationships. So when you think about managing conflict, quote from an author that's unknown to me, I don't have to attend every argument I'm invited to. What about you? Do you attend every argument that you're invited to? Think about this. Conflict can result in problem solving and resolution or an all out war. So how can we approach conflict greatly? How we approach conflict greatly impacts the outcome. As long as we live on earth, we will experience conflict. And that's not always a bad thing. So there's reasons to accept and face conflict, to stand against wrong, to protect someone because the situation realistically and practically just can't continue the way it is because of a clear sense of urgency or responsibility, to seek and, to seek and experience resolution and or reconciliation because you know you need to make your previous response or behavior during a conflict right to resolve the anger. You can ask for forgiveness. What about the importance of compassion? What is compassion? It is the ability to enter into the mind and heart of another, to share his sorrow, to know him from within, thus giving rise to mercy and understanding. In the revelation of divine love, Julian of Norwich, of Norwich calls compassion a wound. If we love, we feel for others. And the more we widen our hearts to include all, the more we shall find ourselves bearing the sorrows of the world. So compassion means feelings, feeling what the other person feels, feeling with him or her, being able to put yourself in his or her shoes, caring enough to see his or her side of things. So when facing conflict, you really face three crucial choices the relationship or winning, to connect or to conquer, to love or to dominate. So for you to practice some strategies for managing conflict, first step, when you clash or disagree with another person, one way to prevent escalation is to take a time out to consider the issues and your response. 
Use a timeout to pray and determine what concerns you have or what requests you might make. Step two, sum up what the other person says by paraphrasing his or her demands, viewpoints, and comments. Summarizing what someone says doesn't mean agreement with the other person's opinions or requests, but it does demonstrate that you are listening, that you care and are trying to understand. In other words, you are not able to make your deadline and you hope I can finish the project. And then there's other examples. What I hear you saying is that you want me to charge this customer 25% more than the normal cost, for example. So step three, communicate your need and viewpoint graciously, but firmly. I was not able to complete my part of the project, but I do not have time to take on your portion as well. I find that overcharging customers places me in an ethical dilemma, one that I believe is wrong. I cannot carry out this task. So something you can do is you can write out a scenario in which you experience conflict, like for example, at work, and you can put some of those practical strategies and see how, how it works for you. Because conflict is normal. And it's a process which both parties, when willing, can work through. When conflict management skills, along with compassion, are applied to disputes, relationships can improve. And successful resolution is possible. So we also want to consider turning anger into forgiveness and grace. Resentment is like taking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Quote by McCourt. So forgiveness, it's possible, it's vital to resolving anger. Is a road to personal healing and reconciliation with God and others? Forgiveness is an ongoing process. Forgiveness emulates the highest quality of humanity, of humanity. It sets you free from the past. So what is forgiveness? Letting go of the anger and the hurt, you decide to cease resentment to pardon. It's another way of saying, I'm human. I make mistakes. I want to be granted that privilege. And so I grant you that privilege. And why do we need forgiveness? The state of anger creates the need to forgive. As soon as we become angry at someone or something, we need the sweet relief of forgiveness, not only to grant it to others, but to receive it for ourselves. We need forgiveness to bring our lives back into a state of harmony and peace. Five steps to forgiveness. You have to discover forgiveness. You have to choose forgiveness. You have to renew your mind. You have to grant mercy. Forgiveness is a process. A couple of guidelines to consider for reconciliation and forgiveness. Deal constructively with the root cause of anger towards the offending party. Ask, what am I angry about? What is my responsibility? What is the other person's responsibility? Forego retribution. Pour out your anger into prayer or to a confidant. Plan a constructive confrontation. You can apologize if appropriate, but use soft, loving approach or a gentle startup is what Gottman will call it. Be honest, yet tactful. Indicate the behavior change that's needed. Choose to forgive. Release the other person from guilt and bondage. Let go of the demands you want to make on the other person. Return good to the offending party. 
change your attitude towards your spouse or the offending party. Forgiveness sets you free from the prison of anger and resentment. Forgiveness ends the cycle of anger and blame, moving you closer to reconciliation and new goals. So when is it important to take a time out? When anger, Thomas Jefferson says, when angry, count to 10 before you speak. If very angry, 100. <laughs> Dr. Dolores J. Peter says, speak when you're angry and you will make the best speech you will ever regret. So when should you take a time out? When you recognize your triggers, people and situations would trigger you and make you angry. And as soon as these situations occur, you want to take a deep breath, pray, talk, tell the other person, I've decided to take this time to consider the issues or the problems. You want to move to another part of the house, take the dog for a walk, go to for a coffee room or back to your desk at work. And when you're in your timeout, evaluate the scenario and cognitive dissertations, distortions. You want to think about what am I telling myself about the situation? Taking a timeout is essential to stop the escalation of physiological anger and conflict. Calm down. Identify the issue as well as your perspective and thoughts and plan an intellectual, intelligent, helpful approach for managing the conflict. A couple of cognitive distortions. Robert Greene Ingersoll says anger blows out the lamp of the mind. We have all or nothing thinking. You see them, you see things in black or white categories, generalizations. Think about those generalizations. This is where you see a single negative event as a ne never ending pattern or defeat. Mental filters, you pick out a single negative detail and dwell on it. What about disqualifying the positive? You reject positive experiences. You jump to conclusions. You make a negative interpretation despite no facts to support your conclusions. You want other people to mind read you. You arbitrarily conclude someone is reacting negatively to you. Or what about the fortune teller era? You anticipate things will turn out bad. Or the minimization, you exaggerate or catastrophize. You exaggerate the importance of things or you shrink things. Emotional reasoning, you assume that your negative emotions are necessarily reflect the way things really are. Or should statements. You motivate yourself with shoulds and shouldn'ts. And if you had to be wiped. And punished. If you had to be whipped and punished. Right? What about labeling and mislabeling? An extreme form of overgeneralization. Instead of describing your error, you attach a negative label to yourself. I am a loser to someone else. Or she is a loser. Personalization. You see yourself as the cause of some negative external event, which is in fact, you are not primarily responsible for. So let me end with this. When you have distorted and irrational thinking and expectations, it tends to escalate your anger and conflict. But when distorted thinking is challenged with reality and truth, effective anger management is possible. So when you think about how you handle anger, how you want to show up in this world, you have the ability to change. You can change. You can grow out of harmful anger, the kind of hidden anger and rage that blocks your personal and relationship goals. You can choose anger. You have the power to express anger in healthy or unhealthy ways. Anger can help you grow or make you 
miserable. When you choose a healthy response to anger, you will discover how to put your anger to work for good. This is your host, Dr. Janie Lacey, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Let's Talk About It with Janie Lacey. Thank you for tuning in. Let's Talk About It can be heard live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Please join your host, Dr. Janie Lacey, for another edition of the show next week. 